You are listening to the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. College basketball season's rolling right along, getting right into conference championship games. Got um, actually at the first conference championship games tipping off last night in the Horizon League and just got even more coming up. Um, you know, this next weekend and the next two weeks here. So let's talk about all of that. Talk about some March Madness news. But before we get into all of that college basketball stuff for the day, um, as always, let's start off by recapping how we did um, for our picks during last podcast. So starting off on Tuesday, February 23rd, at a two-game card, we started off uh, Miami, Ohio, taking on Central Michigan. <laughs> now, if you noticed anything about the MAC this week, they had a lot of... Um, um, afternoon basketball games going on and there were just some crazy stuff happening and you know this one was no exception Miami Ohio um, ends up winning this game pretty easily 96 to 53 four uh, sorry 96 to 54 um, easily covering that three-point spread no doubt about it um, Day Day Grant puts up uh, 25 points for Miami Ohio in this one and Miami Ohio just did a crazy job shooting the ball from beyond the arc 51.4 percent from three for them while Central Michigan only hit 20.8 percent of their shots from beyond the arc so um, pretty easy victory there for Miami Ohio in that game unfortunately it didn't carry over um, later into the night for us um, LSU minus five and a half versus Georgia end up losing outright in this one uh, Georgia wins 91 to 78 um, Sever Wheeler puts up his first triple-double, um, well, his first triple-double is his career, but also the first triple-double in Georgia basketball history. Uh, 14 points, 11 rebounds, and 13 assists from him. You know, it's kind of crazy to think that in 2021, um, a D1 program is is just just getting their first triple-double, but here we are. Um, Georgia, you know, just did a really good job out-rebounding him in this game. 47 rebounds for Dallas, who's 40. So, ended up going 1-1 one one for Tuesday's picks. Now, going into Wednesday, um, we start out again in the MAC. Um, unfortunately, we were not as lucky with Wednesday's uh, MAC matchup. We had Ball State taking on Kent State. Kent State minus four in this one. Ball State ends up winning this game 92-71. Jermaine Coleman puts up 26 points for Ball State in this game, um, helping them definitely get this lead. And, you know, Kent State really struggled to shoot the ball in this one. Only hit 20.3% of their shots from beyond the arc. Well, Ball State hit half of theirs, hit 50% from three. So hard to win basketball games when you're missing threes like that. So Kent State lost that one. But we did turn it around um, with two decently sized dogs to finish out the card. Um, you know, we had Marquette in the first game, Marquette plus eight and a half versus North Carolina. Now it's always nice, you know, Marquette ends up winning this game 83 to 70. You know, it's always nice to have a team that's got a double digit lead majority of the game, especially when you're getting eight and a half points. Um, definitely nothing to complain about there. And looking back, you know, Marquette at halftime, you was up in double digits and whatnot. So really no doubt about Marquette winning this game all all the way through, Dawson Garcia puts up 24 points for Marquette in this one with 11 rebounds. Marquette just shot the ball very well in this game, 51.8% from the field, while North Carolina only 417 from the field. So um, good job by Marquette there, getting that win in cover. Next game we had on the card, we had Western Carolina taking on UNC Greensboro. Western Carolina also wins this game outright, 81-80, to um, easily covering that 14-point spread. No doubt about it. They led for majority of this game, too. Mason Faulkner puts up 28 points for Western Carolina in this game. Um, Western Carolina shot the three very well in this one also. 53.8% from the end of the arc with them, while UNC Greensboro only hitting 34.5%. So um, go 2-1 and one on Wednesday's card. Um, and as far as Thursday's, um, actually recording the podcast here 
um, before those two games get tipped off. So St. Francis, New York, um, plus four against Merrimack and Belmont minus seven and a half versus Eastern Kentucky. So definitely take a look over on the website to see how those games finish up. But we go as far as the games that have tipped off or the games that have finished, we went three and two for last card. So um, that about wraps it up for the picks from last week's card. So let's move on to a little bit of college basketball news here. Um, the first thing we got, March Madness, the committees released a little bit more um, as far as what exactly the tournament's going to be shaping up like this year, you know, with um, with some, you know, just a little couple different things. So the traditionally, the last four out um, are the uh, one seeds in the NIT, which they will um, continue to be that this year. But the last four out um, are going to also be potential replacements if teams you know test positive in the tournament now it's not going to be like you know rolling the whole tournament of a team in the sweet 16 test positive or something like that now it's it's just the first two days so basically from selection sunday 48 hours after that if any team um tests positive and their whole team has to go on on lockdown is not able to play that is when one of those four teams will step up um and have a potential um um, spot there but after that tuesday you know cut off or whatever not going to be seeing um, new teams getting into the tournament field but what we will see potentially um is what is going to happen if players test positive um it, it's looking like you know if players test positive and they're able to you know stay away from the rest of the team hopefully they'll be able to continue the games just without that player much like the nfl was able to do for you know majority of the season able to you know just quarantine certain players um, and get the rest of the team still out there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, teams like Michigan, who had to shut down their entire program because, you know, a couple of people in the athletic department tested positive. You know, all the athletics in Michigan was shut down for two weeks. It'll be interesting to see teams like that, um, how they're, how the conference is treated, you know, with them being in Indianapolis, being in the, the bubble and whatnot. How, if there's any, <laughs> if there's any, you know, conferences that kind of get screwed by their own um, conferences making decisions so have to wait and see how that plays out I have a feeling that uh, much like the NFL we are not going to see any team that you know is we're not going to see any good teams testing positive for coronavirus in the in the bubble I would be shocked if we see a Baylor or Gonzaga have a bunch of players out for a game um, it's just not something that I expect to see um, but that until that's really all the news that we got for um, March Madness right now but um that doesn't mean, you know, not skipping ahead to March Madness. We still got two, two and a half weeks almost of conference championship games. You know, um, Horizon League um, tipped off their conference championship um, bracket on Thursday night, yesterday night um, with some games there. You know, we won't be so I mean, we won't be done with conference tournaments at this point until um, Selection Sunday now. So got a bunch of that going, but a couple of teams, you know, that I don't know, need conference wins, just a couple of teams that are kind of interesting to look at um, as far as these conference, you know, going into these conference championships. One of those teams um, that's kind of come out of nowhere this year, I mean, pretty much, Bellarmine, um, who is new to Division One this year, you know, was one of the four teams um, with, you know, Tarleton State and Dixie State and UC San Diego coming in to Division One this season. They are absolutely killing it in the A-Sun. You know, they... Um, rattled off, I think it's now like 10 in a row or something wins they've got going there. Tied with Liberty atop the A-Sun. Um, and very much like Murmack last year, who, you know, uh, was the, I don't know if they, I, I can't remember if the NEC played their championship, but I'm pretty sure Murmack was the 
regular season NEC champion. I don't know. I can't can't keep all of that straight. I don't remember what they were. But much like Mermac last year, and even Mermac this year, I think Mermac still can't isn't eligible. I don't know. I remember what the actual rule is. But Bellarmine is not eligible to make the NCAA tournament. I think it's like a three year grace period um, before the team is eligible, something like that. So if they win the A Sun, um, it'll really. I think it's up to the A Sun who they end up putting in, if they put, you know, the, the regular season champion in, or if they put the runner up, um, more than likely it, it, either, either, or it'd probably end up being Liberty who would get in ahead of Bellarmine, but, um, kind of sucks for that team. You know, I was a big Mermat guy last year, loved watching them play. They absolutely just rolled through the NEC last year. No shot for any team to go after them. Um, um, Bellarmine's kind of been doing the same as of late. So, um, hopefully we see them make some noise in the ASUN tournament because, um, you know, being quite honest, that is that is their national champion. I don't know what the rule is as far as making the NIT or anything, um, but but I don't know that they I don't know that they would even get a bid. Um, to be quite honest, to the NIT, they might get like a CBI bid. I don't even I, I know the CIT uh, is officially canceled for this year. I'm pretty sure I don't remember what the CBI status is. Um, can't say I'm too up to date on my <laughs> on my third and fourth tier tournaments. <clears throat> but um, a couple of other teams that. I would say probably need to win their conference. One of them is being Winthrop. Now it's hard. It's crazy to say that a 20 and two team um, almost certainly almost needs to win their conference tournament to get in. Um, but you know, without a big South title for Winthrop, I don't know how, how the committee would put them in. You know, we already, there's going to be a lot of that this year because we got a lot of good mid major teams who are up high on the bubble who could potentially sneak in there if they don't win their tournaments. Another one, um, you know, um, not necessarily as much, but Belmont, you know, 24 and one in the Ohio Valley, um, is the Ohio Valley a two bid conference. I mean, we saw them get two bids a couple of years ago, um, when jaw was at Murray state, you know, we saw Belmont, <clears throat> I can't actually remember who won that now did Belmont win the, I don't remember who won the Ohio Valley that year. I remember watching that, that game, but I, I just can't for the life of me remember who won that game. I think it was, I think, I, I don't know. I think Murray state won the game. Don't remember though, but Belmont and Murray state nonetheless ended up both making, um the tournament and i i want to say they both won a game i i actually don't quote me on that that might not be true i think i belmont might have lost it in a weird fashion anyway it doesn't really matter but we could see the ohio valley you know the ohio valley two years ago last tournament was a two-bid team so we could definitely see um that happen again in another conference um that is definitely hoping for two bids and i think we'll probably receive two bids um is the missouri valley you know drake and loyola chicago both two very good teams now these two teams they could easily both play themselves out of a tournament bid. Um, although f sort of unlikely, I think they would have to basically get eliminated um, in the first round of the Missouri Valley Conference for them to really be overlooked. Um, but I mean, if these two teams end up playing in the conference championship game, I think the committee almost certainly has to put them in. You know, they split the split their games this season. Granted, Little Chicago absolutely blew Drake out in their win and Drake, you know, one by one in overtime. Um, but to be quite honest, that doesn't matter. You know, a win's a win in the, to the stat that matters is that they are one and one against each other um, this season. You know, we haven't seen a two bid Missouri Valley um, since Wichita State left to join the American. Um, but this could very well be the year that we go back to seeing a two bid Missouri Valley. And I'm definitely for it. You know, <laughs> two bid Missouri Valley gets just even better March Madness moments. You know, um, the Jefferson <laughs> three from half court against Texas. I'm um, definitely one that sticks out. So um, I'm definitely rooting for both Drake and Loyola Chicago. Um, to make the tournament definitely teams that I could see uh, making a little noise there but um, getting out a little bit of the mid-major before we get into picks just a little bit 
um, kind of more just some just some Big Ten stuff to to um, touch up on. Io Dissimile broke his nose for Illinois, so he is going to be out um, for Illinois until at least the Big Ten tournament. Um, now, a broken nose is definitely not a you know career-ending injury. You just put a put a face mask over it, and boom, you're probably good to go. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this affects Illinois. But without him, I think like I'm I, I am kind of a fan of Illinois. I like them in the tournament they're honestly um i i mean michigan's probably topped them at this point but they're they're up there you know they're a top team in the big 10 i mean they're the fifth ranked team in the country obviously <laughs> they're a top team in the big 10 um but they're, they're one of my favorites and i think that they could could definitely make a run in the tournament but if he's not healthy um it's gonna be even harder to take them um a little bit of other news we see <laughs> um and not i don't know shocking news but just just kind of weird news utep in kansas have agreed to play a game um march 4th at allen Fieldhouse. i'm not exactly sure why kansas would accept this game in the first place i mean um i yeah i really don't know i mean there's it's kind of a lose-lose for them i mean if you lose the game you look like crap if you win the game no one cares um so just just kind of a weird move to to make it that an ad. Now, granted, I get it because, you know, they got to find a team that's willing to play them. And there's not a ton of teams this late in the season that have have the wiggle room to, you know, go and play them. Um, and unfortunately, um, with Baylor, you know, missing a lot of games, that, you know, they're trying to make up their Big Ten schedule, not Big Ten, Big 12 schedule. So the likelihood that we ever get that Baylor-Gonzaga regular season game um, is, is pretty much zero at this point. But Hopefully, you know, if everything goes according to playing March Bad, it's everything everyone's saying, uh, which means that it probably won't. But <laughs> hopefully we get to see that matchup for the national championship. But got to wait and see how the bracket falls out and how all that comes. Um, and yeah, definitely um, be on the lookout as soon as um, we get a little bit closer here to March Madness for, you know, bracketology and whatnot up on the website. But that about wraps it up for all of the college basketball news. So let's get into some picks for this absolutely stacked weekend. So starting out on Friday, February 26th, we start out um, in the ASUN with North Florida taking on Stetson. Now, North Florida has not been quite as good as they were last year um, for most of the season coming into this game at 7-13. and 13, But, you know, neither is Stetson coming in at 9-12, and 12, both coming into this game um, with losing records. Um, and, you know, North Florida, while they haven't, haven't, I guess, lived up to exactly how good they were last year, um, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily, you know, reflect as much in their stats. You know, still shooting the basketball very well, 36.6% from beyond the arc, 72.8% from the free throw line, with an effective field goal percentage of 52.5%. Um, while Satin is slightly worse in all fields, you know, 36.3% from three, 70.4% from the free throw line, and an effective field goal percentage of 50.1%. Um, you know, it's not, not anything crazy that you, you know, you have to count them out for. And North Florida is doing a slightly better job rebounding the basketball. 26.9% off the offensive glass. So Stetson only pulling down 26.5. Um, and North Florida is, is honestly just the better team on offense. 171st in adjusted offensive efficiency. Stetson 203 in adjusted offensive efficiency. I um, mean, you know, North Florida getting four points in this game, even though they are on the road. I'm going, you know, up to take on Stetson. I, I do like North Florida in this game. So North Florida plus four for the first game on Friday. Um, moving on, the next game we got for Friday's card. We got Lipscomb taking on North Alabama. Um, Lipscomb comes into this game playing pretty good basketball. 15 and 10 on the season. North Alabama 10 and 10. Lipscomb the 205th ranked team in the hot tip at rankings. North Alabama 280. 
Uh, now Lipscomb is is doing a very good job not turning the basketball over, only turning it over on 17.2% of their possessions. Well, North Florida, on the other hand, turning it over on 21% of theirs. Um, Lipscomb also do you know just doing a good job shooting the basketball in general, 34.7% from beyond the arc. Well, North Alabama only knocking down 31%. I mean, Lipscomb also an effective field goal percentage of 51.8. Um, while North Alabama not good at all, 46.9 um, effective field goal percentage for them. And this North Alabama team um, is honestly just not good on offense at all. You know, 323 in adjusted offensive efficiency, while Lipscomb coming in at 168 in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, and while they do, North Alabama does slightly make up for it in their defense. You know, their defense still isn't great. 253 adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, and Lipscomb also, you know, not the greatest defense in the world at 286, but they are they are very similar defenses. And I think with their, with these similar defenses, um, Lipscomb's just um honestly straight up better performance on offense i think that lipscomb has a pretty easy time covering this four and a half point spread um so that's pick lipscomb minus four and a half uh, next game we got on the card we move into the missouri valley um now i haven't been with uh got drake versus bradley here i haven't been on drake um in a couple of games you know i've kind of you know bet them a lot early in the season obviously when they were covering all those spreads got in early and i mean in fact i bet them literally their first game of the season against kansas state um but you know got a lot of covers there for this drake team made a lot of money and we are back on drake again in this one you know drake comes into this game 23 and 2 on the season um absolutely amazing season for them bradley 11 and 14 uh, Drake is also the 86th ranked team in the hot tip rankings, Bradley 131. Um, and Drake is just, you know, even though they, you know, definitely got a little overhyped there for a little bit, they've kind of calmed back down, kind of, you know, snuck back behind um, off of everyone's radar a little bit. And they're just playing very good basketball, you know, hitting 37.1% of their shots from beyond the arc. Bradley, on the other hand, not shooting nearly as well, only 315 from three. Um, and, you know, Drake also effective field goal percentage of 55.2, um, which is one of the better effective field goal percentages in the country. Bradley, on the other hand, 49.7% effective field goal percentage. Um, and Drake does a very, very good job not turning the ball over, only turns it over on 15.8% of their possessions, while Bradley turning it over on 19.3% um, of theirs. Um, and that, those stats kind of really show up um, when you look at how efficient they are on offense. You know, Drake, 24th in adjusted offensive efficiency, um, while 80th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Bradley worth in both, worse in both categories, 166th in adjusted offensive efficiency, and 132 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, and, you know, that I think that also shows up in, you know, Drake's ability to pull down the ball off the offensive glass, 32.7% offensive rebounding percentage for them, or Bradley 28.1. Um, so, I mean, just across the board, this Drake team is a very good basketball team, um, and I th don't think they have any problem, even on the road, taking care of Bradley in this one. So, like Drake, minus 7.5 for that game. Next game on the card, um, head back down south for Coastal Carolina taking on Troy. Um, now, Coastal Carolina... Um, is kind of they're a weird team this year. They have been playing very good basketball of late, though. You know, thirteen and six on the season. Troy ten and fourteen. Um, and Coastal Carolina is just a good shooting team in general. You know, hitting thirty five point nine percent of their shots from beyond the arc. Troy not very good at all, hitting twenty eight point four percent of their threes. Um, which is it's not a stat that you can really have in the modern era of college basketball. Um, and also Troy just not a even you know they don't really make up for it. Um, hitting the twos either, you know, only an effective field goal percentage of 44.2, while Coastal Carolina an effective field goal percentage of 50.5, um, and Coastal Carolina is also knocking down their free throws, 74.3 from beyond from the charity strike, while Troy only hitting 71.9% of their free throws. Um, so, you know, Coastal Carolina, 
Um, really, no matter how you slice the the shooting stats there, they are the better team. Um, and it kind of rolls over into them pulling down the boards off the offensive glass too. You know, 36.4% of their rebounds off the glass while Troy only pulling down 28%. Um, and Coastal Carolina, honestly, just a better team on both sides of the basketball. 176th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 179 adjusted defensive. Troy, 188 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Not bad there, but their offense is absolutely atrocious. 335 in adjusted offensive efficiency. So I do like Coastal Carolina minus six in that game. In the final game, we got for uh, Friday's card, we moved back over to the MAC um, with, not the MAC, <laughs> the Missouri Valley with Indiana State taking on Valparaiso. Indiana State, two and a half point favorites in this one. Um, now, Indiana State comes into this game 13 and 8 on the season, Valpo 9 and 16. Um, and Indiana State, um, just another team that I've liked to watch this year. You know, they not, didn't make as much noise as, you know, Drake or Loyola Chicago did in the Missouri Valley. Um, but they're still a very good basketball team, shooting the ball very well. 35.5% from beyond the arc, Valpo 30.1. Um, also a very good effective field goal percentage, 50.3 effective field goal percentage for this Indiana State team, while Valpo only an effective field goal percentage of 48%. Um, and Indiana State also doing a good job rebounding the basketball, um, 26% off the offensive glass. Valpo at 20.4 off the offensive glass, which is not very good at all. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta have those second chance opportunities if you want to get leads in college basketball. Um, and it really shows, you know, Indiana state, just a better team on both sides of the basketball, 129 in adjusted offensive efficiency, 177 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Well, Valpo, not terrible on offense, 144 in adjusted offense or defensive efficiency. Um, but on offense, not nearly as good as this Indiana state team at, coming in at 248 in adjusted offensive efficiency. So like Indiana state minus two and a half, um, to close out. Friday's card. Now moving on to Saturday, we start out in the ACC. You got Notre Dame taking on Boston College. Um, you know now Boston College looking for a head coach um, has not had a good season at all. Three and thirteen on the season, one forty-two in the hot tip at rankings. And Notre Dame, while they have had a slightly better season, you know there's still not much to write home about for them either. Nine and twelve on the season, sixty-seventh um, in the hot tip at rankings. Um, but even though Notre Dame has performed horribly this season let's just be honest they are not haven't been a good basketball team they have done a decently good job at in, in certain spots you know they've, they've had good games this year and it shows in the stats you know 37.3 percent from the on the arc which you know is up there with any team in college basketball boston college not nearly as good 32.7 percent from beyond the arc i mean and it really carries over for notre dame shooting across the board you know 54.5 effective field goal percentage um, Boston College, on the other hand, an effective field goal percentage of 49.8. I mean, Notre Dame's also hitting their free throw, 77% from the free throw line, while um, Boston College only hitting 70.8% of their shots from the free throw line. And when, when you know, when Notre Dame doesn't hit those shots necessarily, they have done a good job holding onto the basketball as well, only turning it over on 15.3% of their possessions, while Boston College is turning it over on 18.8% of theirs. Um, and one thing that really sticks out to me about this Notre Dame team, just a very very good team on offense, 16th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, Boston College on the hand, 128th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, while Boston College does get the slight edge here on defense, you know, 137th in adjusted offensive efficiency, um, you know, 1748 adjusted defensive efficiency for Notre Dame, not much worse, pretty, honestly, pretty even there. So definitely like Notre Dame to cover that spread um, against Boston College. 
Next game we got, we got Marquette taking on UConn. Now Marquette, uh, Marquette comes into this game um, 11 and 12, the 59th ranked team in the hot to bet rankings. UConn comes in this game 11 and 6 and 30th in the hot to bet rankings. Um, but one thing that Marquette does have is a pretty impressive win last time out against North Carolina. Um, and while it you know doesn't necessarily mean anything for this game or for um, Big East play necessarily, um, it was definitely an impressive win. And for a Marquette team that's kind of out of it i mean I, I don't really think they're on the bubble that'd be it's hard to say you're on the bubble two weeks before the selection sunday with a losing record it's not not exactly close to the bubble they probably got to win the acc or not the acc the big east if they want any shot um but they have played decently good basketball you know shooting the ball very good um you know effective field goal percentage of 51.1 percent uconn only an effective field goal percentage of 48.8 um they've also done a decent job hitting free throws 73.6 percent from the free throw line for marquette while uconn only hitting 70.6 of their shots um, and while UConn is a better basketball team on both sides of the ball, you know, 43rd in adjusted offensive efficiency, 31 in adjusted defensive, Marquette on the other hand, 68 in adjusted offensive, and 82 in adjusted defensive. I do think that this Marquette team, you know, getting this many points um, against UConn in this game should be able to cover the spread. So like Marquette to cover in that one. Uh, the next game we got on the car, we got Ole Miss taking on Vanderbilt. Um, now Ole Miss has been a weird team, but a good team this year in college basketball. Thirteen and nine on the season. Vanderbilt nowhere near the season that they wanted to have. Six and thirteen um, on the season. But it's kind of strange to say that you know they haven't had the season. When you look at the stats, um, it would kind of appear the other way. You know, Vanderbilt has not been horrible on offense. You know, sixty fifth in adjusted offensive efficiency for this Vanderbilt team. Mississippi, on the other hand, not great at all. One hundred sixth in adjusted offensive efficiency uh, for this Ole Miss team. Then Ole Miss really struggling to hit shots you know only 28.5 percent from beyond the arc which is not a good three-point shooting Vanderbilt on their hand decently well 35.2 percent um from the three Vanderbilt's also knocking down those free throws 73.1 percent from the charity strike on Ole Miss 69.5 percent from the free throw line and Ole Miss not a very good shooting team just in general with an effective field goal percentage um, of 48.7 well Vanderbilt's got an effective field goal percentage of 51.2 so um while Vanderbilt um, hasn't had the season they want. I think that they can cover the spread here um, against this Mississippi team. So, like Vanderbilt to cover against Ole Miss. Next game we got on the card, we got Belmont taking on Moorhead State. Now, Belmont comes into this game basically, <laughs> I don't say looking ahead to the, you know, to the tournament, but let's be honest, it feels like that's kind of where they're at. You know, they've just basically rolled through the Ohio Valley um, up until this point, and it shows in the stats. Um, one thing that really jumps off the board for this Belmont team is not turning the ball over, only turning it over on 16.2% of their possessions, which is one of the better stat lines in the country. Moorhead State, though, complete opposite direction, one of the worst in the country, turning it over on 23.5% of their possessions. Um, and it doesn't really stop there for Belmont. Belmont is a great team on offense, just in general. You know, it's 39th and adjusted offensive efficiency uh, for the Belmont Bears here, while Moorhead State, 235 and adjusted offensive efficiency. Belmont's just shooting the ball very well. 47, but uh, not 47, 74.4% from the free throw line. Moorhead State only hitting 66.1% of their free throws. Belmont also knocking down threes at 35.5%, with Moorhead State hitting at 33.6. Um, and Belmont, an effective field goal percentage of 58.3, which is absolutely insane. Moorhead State only 51.5. So, um, needless to say, Belmont is the better basketball team here. And while they are the favorites, um, obviously, in this game, I do like them. Um, to cover that spread so like belmont in that one uh, next game we got on the car one of the bigger games 
um, of the day, at least in at least in my eyes. Um, we got uh, Baylor taken on Kansas. Now Baylor comes into this game looking to hold on to their undefeated streak. You know, had a a questionable win to say the least against um, Iowa State. Um, you know, but to be quite fair, you could probably just chalk most of that up to you know not playing a game in two weeks. Um, much like most teams that have come off their COVID breaks haven't necessarily got off to a hot start. Kansas, on the other hand, um, is kind of a weird team. They've dropped out of the top 25 for a week or two there, um, but they seem to be getting a little bit right on the rag check. You know, Baylor comes into this game having done a very good job shooting the ball this season. You know, 43.2% from the three-point line, uh, which is which is an insane stat. 30, 43%? That's crazy, especially in a Big 12 that is this competitive. Kansas, on the other hand, uh, well, a, a not terrible stat of 34.2, but it's not 43. Um, that's for sure. And But Baylor is just Baylor's just a good team all around. You know, 58.6 effective field goal percentage was also an insane stat. Kansas struggling a little more, 79, or not 79, 46, 49. Jesus, I can't talk. 49.6% effective field goal percentage there for Kansas. Um, and Baylor's just, Baylor's just a really good team on both sides of the basketball. Fourth in adjusted offensive efficiency, ninth in adjusted defensive efficiency. Kansas, on the other hand, not a bad defensive team, really. Tenth in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, but they have very much struggled on offense this season. 56th in adjusted offensive efficiency. And it really shows, you know, they haven't pulled down nearly as many balls off the offensive glass. Only an offensive rebounding percentage of 31.1. Well, Baylor, an offensive rebounding percentage of 37.3. So, like Baylor to cover that spread there against Kansas and get us a victory. Um, and finally, closing out Saturday's card. Pretty packed card for Saturday. But we head out west um, for a late night game between San Francisco and Pacific. Um, while the San Francisco team isn't the team, the same team that we saw beat um, um, uh, Virginia early in the season. I mean, it is the same team, but it's not the, they haven't been playing nearly up to that level. Um, they're not a bad basketball team by any means. You know, 95th in the uh, the hot tip bet rankings. Pacific comes into this game as the 134th ranked team in the hot bet, tip bet rankings. Um, but San Francisco's done a very good ball, uh, very good ball, very good job of shooting the basketball. 34.5% from beyond the arc. Um, while Pacific only hitting 29.7% of their threes. Um, San Francisco also doing a good job um, just shooting the ball in general. 51.3 effective field goal percentage for them, while Pacific an effective field goal percentage of 47.9%. Um, and they also carry it over with free throws, 72.1% from the free throw line for San Francisco. Pacific are not very good at all, 64.8% from the free throw line. Um, hard to win basketball games like that. And while Pacific is doing a slightly better job not turning the ball over at 16.4, you know, 17.7 for San Francisco is nothing to nothing to be sad about. Um, and the San Francisco team is honestly just better on both sides of the basketball, while be it by a small margin, they are still better. 118 in adjusted offensive efficiency, 98 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Pacific, on the other hand, 129 in adjusted offensive and 111 in adjusted defensive. So um, like San Francisco here in this one to get the cover um, to close out Saturday's card. Now, moving on to Sunday, only got one game on Sunday's car, but we got a pretty big, I don't know if it's huge, but we got, we got a decently good uh, a Big East matchup between Villanova and Butler. Villanova comes into this game, fourth in the hot tip bet rankings, 15-3 and three on the season. Butler, 79th in the hot tip bet rankings, and 8-13 and 13 on the season. Now, this Villanova team um, is really just very good at shooting the basketball, you know, 37.3% from beyond the arc for them. Butler only hitting 32.5%, but really where Butler has struggled to score points here is from the free throw line, only hitting 64.5% of their shots. 
from the charity strike. Well, Villanova, pretty impressive, 77.7% from the free throw line. I mean, Villanova's just hitting shots in general. An effective field goal percentage of 54.4. Um, well, Butler, an effective field goal percentage of 49%. But Villanova has is one of the top teams in the country for not turning the ball over, only turning it over on 13.8% of their possessions, which is an absolutely insane stat. Well, Butler turning it over on 17.7% of theirs. Um, and Butler's also struggled to rebound the ball off the offensive glass, only bringing down 25.9% of those. Well, Villanova bringing down 28.7. So um, all of that really just helps to reinforce how good of a team Villanova is on offense. You know, fifth in adjusted offensive efficiency. I mean, you know, Butler on their hand, not good on offense at all. Um, 204 in adjusted offensive efficiency. And even though it's a decently big spread here for Villanova um, in this game, I do like Villanova to cover um, this one and get us um, a, a win for our only game on Sunday's card. Moving on to Monday. Um, surprisingly, a decently good Monday card compared to some of the ones we've had um, this season, but still only two plays here for us. Uh, first game we got starting out in the ACC, we got North Carolina taking on Syracuse. Now, North Carolina comes into this game as the 34th ranked team in the hot tip at ranking. Syracuse 36, so very evenly matched um, according to that. But one thing that Syracuse um, has done that's really sticking out to me is shooting the ball from the free throw line. Hitting 78.9% of their shots from the free throw line. Well, North Carolina only hitting 65% of theirs. Um, and I think that's that, well, not, not the be-all, end-all by any means, is definitely a big reason why North Carolina has struggled to put up as many wins as they want this season. Syracuse is also doing a very good job shooting the three too, 33.3% from the beyond the arc for them. Well, North Carolina only hitting 31.5% from three. And Syracuse is a better shooting team in general with an effective field percentage of 50.3. Well, North Carolina an effective field percentage of 48.5. Um, and, and Syracuse has also done a great job not turning it over. 16 point, only turning it over on 16.1% of their possessions. Well, North Carolina is turning it over on 203 Um, and, and the Syracuse team is just the better offensive team in general. 31st in adjusted offensive efficiency. Well, North Carolina is 61st in adjusted offensive efficiency. So definitely like Syracuse to cover this one um, and get the win. Um, the final game we got for Monday, move out west for a Pac-12 matchup. We got Arizona taking on Oregon. Arizona comes into this game, 52nd ranked team in the hot to bet rankings. Oregon, the 33rd ranked team. And this Arizona team, um, while they did struggle so, again at some points this season, they're playing good basketball right now. In 37.9% of their shots from beyond the arc, um, which is pretty impressive for them. Oregon, on the other hand, only hitting 35.7, which is, isn't a bad stat by any means, just not nearly as good. Um, and, and Arizona is also doing a good job shooting free throws, 72.4% from the line for them. Oregon also not bad, 70.2. But the thing that really sticks out to me um, about this Arizona team is their offensive rebounding. You know, re pulling down the um, offensive rebounds 34.6% of the time um, off the offensive glass for Arizona, while Oregon only pulling down 29.2% of their offensive rebounds. So, it, and that's really just reinforced by Arizona being a very good team on offense, 17th in adjusted offensive efficiency for this Arizona team, while Oregon is 53rd in adjusted offensive efficiency. So definitely like Arizona um, to close out Monday's card and get the win there. And that about wraps it up for this week's picks, for this week's episode of the Hot Tip Bets podcast. If you're not already, um, you know, if you haven't already headed over to the website to check out the Hot Tip Bets computer model picks, definitely head over there. Got horse racing picks, college basketball picks, NBA picks, NHL picks up there, up on the website every day. Also got rankings um, updating daily on the website, as well as the results for all of the picks given out on the podcast. 
um, and all of the pick computer picks um, that are posted up there too. Um, and as always, make sure if you're not following me on Twitter and Instagram at Hot Tidbits Chris, make sure you do that so you can stay up to date on all of my picks. Um, any changes that might happen to the card. Also, make sure you're following the Hot Tip Bets uh, uh, main accounts there on all the social platforms, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Make sure you subscribe, like the video. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that like button. Um, definitely helps. Drop a comment down below if you're, you know, it picks you guys like this week. Um, start a discussion down there. But that about wraps it up for episode 33 of the Hot Tip Bets podcast. And I'll see you guys on Tuesday.